0: episode of the Habibis 2022 or season two or <laughs> <laughs> whatever you want to call it.
1: <laughs> He's going off script.
2: <laughs> He's He's, it's already happening. we well, barely started.
1: The chair, is going off script.
2: <laughs> I, just, I was, Aram was Aram yelling YOLO before we started. But going off script is... <laughs> and
0: drinking good Aram tea. I am your host for this week, Osama Doriaz, And I am Fauzi Mezumar.
2: And I'm (laughs) Rami Esmail And I'm terrified
0: Terrified What's happening? (laughs) Terrified Which one did you like more? Season 2? Or 2022? How do we do this?
2: I I, kind of like all of them Here's the the Habibis The Habibis are eternal (laughs) (laughs) I
1: I love the adrenaline shot At the beginning of the episode
2: Before I was hyping myself up, I was like, when I was still muted, I was like yelling "Yalla!" into my microphone. <laughs> uh, Sama starts, and I'm I'm ready. Let's go.
0: <laughs> I've missed you too. I've it, it's, it's, missed it's, you too. too. Yeah, we're recording this with like, the big with <laughs> the big start of the season. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you gotta go. So yeah, actually, we ended the last season with a request from our fans to write in or call in, but we don't have phones, so I guess they all wrote in. And <laughs> could have, We could have thought about that a little bit. Yeah, we should have. Yeah. <laughs> and let us know uh, what their, their best memories, what their thoughts were about last season, You know, suggestions, how we could improve all these things. Uh, and we got mail. We got a bunch of mail. So how do right. we start with that? What do you all think? Let's do that. Let's go. All right. So we'll start with Susan, who is a long-time listener and has written in a few times. We love you, Susan. You're wonderful. Uh, Susan says, happy podcast birthday anniversary. Thank you. It's so hard to pick a favorite moment, but I could probably just say all the segues. Ooh, I love the segues. (laughs) (laughs) We're good at those. Don't worry about that. They kind of sum up the lightheartedness, creativity, and affection that characterizes the show in my mind. Even when you share deep content, it's always in the context of friendship and collaboration, something I've needed more than ever this last year. Oh, that oh, was a good one. That's, Maybe I should have left that sweet. one for last. How do you top that? <laughs> well, speaking of <laughs> friendship and collaboration,
1: look at that email. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> yeah. so, yeah. the email back into itself. It's as, uh, as like a, yes, a, a letter. Well
0: We'll make it better. <laughs> uh, we have another email from Jeff. Uh, Jeff writes If I had to pick a favorite podcast moment, a memory, it would have to be the Osama laugh track. Hearing his disembodied <laughs> laugh edited into the end of the episode, it was surreal and hilarious. And I'm so glad you committed it, committed to the bit suggested in the title. That is awesome. (laughs) Uh, He goes on to say, in truth, though, there are too many great moments to count. Rami's story of Ramadan spent in the pizza shop, whose owner he later reconnected with, Fauzi's discussion of his journey from Jordan to Japan to Sweden, and everywhere in between. Osama, or sorry, Dr. Hub's enthusiasm. (laughs) Awareness of good segues. (laughs) Oh, the segues came up again. Beautiful relationship advice and infectious laughter. Aw, this is so sweet.
2: This is no, not no. a Habibis email, this is a Dr. Hub email. A Dr. Hub email. <laughs> this is this is good. this is a spin-off.
0: He goes on to say, No wonder he's such a great teacher. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> You're, well, y'all are a joy to listen to every week. And I can't wait to see what you talk about in the year to come.
2: Aww, that is- <laughs> well, let, let me give you a second to recover uh, <laughs> from the Discord. Sada writes, a little late to the party for this, but favorite memories from the Habibis are definitely Fozy's story of his journey into the battlefield launch. Osama's hearty laugh that is just filled with so much warmth and joy, oh. and Rami's stories of flight training and describing how landing works—you can absolutely tell how passionate you are and how meaningful flying is to you, and it's so cool to listen to. And whenever the Habibis talk about creativity and the creative process, very thankful for the crea- for the Habibis community as well. It's been so wonderful to connect with everyone here.
0: It is the loveliest community by far.
2: It's amazing, it really. I, I might is. be a little biased,
0: but I still think it's. True. <laughs> I feel like um, um, um,
1: uh, Osama's been um, uh, promoted from doctor hub to professor hub
0: because he's <laughs> also hub. teaching. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> 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 what, what? How do you say? We say we say doctor. I know some people say hakim for for doctor. Uh-huh. Do you yeah, say we say do, doctor. Doctor. Okay. I think hakim is a Lebanese thing, actually. Yeah.
1: Yeah. might be. Wise man, Osama.
0: Wise man, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
2: So, <laughs> that's going to make it really hard to pronounce for anybody who does not have Arab pronunciation. Yeah.
0: It's, it's, it's a little bit easier, I think, in Iraqi. It's Haji Hub. hub. I don't know that. Uh, right. Hajji is haji. a little easier. <laughs> it's a yeah. harder J. So um, now we have uh, an email from Hussein. And Hussein writes, the best memory I have with the podcast is a time when I was porting our game, The Tale of Bistoon, I don't know how to pronounce it. I think it's Bistoon, to Xbox yeah. for a demo event. It was my first. It was my first time working with a dev kit, and you have to follow all those special rules that Xbox has with weird. Uh, user logins compared to how simple it is on playstation okay let's not comment on uh, different platforms I'm, right? I'm not i'm
2: not saying anything but it's yes. anybody is free to have their opinion. exactly and
0: i had only one week to deliver the part oh and i was working from home all alone so i was working 24-7 at the time. Oh, don't do that. And while working, no. I would play the podcast and listen to you guys keep me company. Aw. At the time, I was behind on a number of episodes, and I had all of the bites to listen to, which were all very good. And I just wanted to let you know that you helped me very much in that hard crunch. Aw. Well, glad that we were mm. able to help. I'm sorry that yeah. you had to crunch. That's not Yeah, don't good. crunch.
1: Take care of yourself.
2: Please. It's rough. It's rough, especially if you're an indie and this is your this is your game. I can imagine, but yeah, you know what? If you have to work hard for a little bit of time, and that happens in the games industry, mm-hmm. just make sure you take a break.
0: Yes, and listen to the Habibis while you
2: do it. And listen to the Habibis. While
0: <laughs> he goes on, but mostly day, take a break. Take care of yourself. Of course, a thousand percent. He goes on to say, also, if I want to point out one funny moment that stands out to me, it would be the Fousey jumping over the fire thing. Oh, my God. I <laughs> forgot about that one. I <laughs> forgot about that. Well, thank you for the reminder. Fousey,
2: Fousey just has to absorb some, uh, some smoke.
0: <laughs>
1: you know, it's uh, good for uh, uh, bad luck and all. This is uh, sure you know, jumping uh-huh. over jumping over the fire is what kept this podcast going for a year. It has, the, jump, it has the protection.
2: <laughs> so. Well, the first you understand that we need you to jump more over the fire sometime yeah. soon. So because uh, we need the second year,
1: fifty three <laughs> times have to jump over the fire. One for every episode. Yes. Yes
2: yes and don't forget the sahur bites so that's another 30 Ooh. so um honest, i expect a video of you jumping 85 times
0: seriously so it'll be like our YouTube my youtube channel needs content i'm just saying
2: yeah <laughs> it's time for Fousy to do some jumping yeah and if you
0: can't find fire in a pinch i'll take a video of you jumping over anything really it doesn't matter <laughs> it'll be a body
1: transformation the size of my calves at the end of the second season <laughs>
0: I'm <all> the jumping. <laughs> <laughs> oh so we have another letter from jose who i believe has written in the past as well the name is familiar so jose writes i'm puerto rican and we were all notorious for just figuring things out within our means as as it were most of our buildings on the island are made of uh, cement and stand against hurricanes but similarly most homes like that also tend to be fairly short It is not uncommon to see that some crafty do-it-yourself guy took it upon himself with some friends to build a whole other level to his house. Naturally, they almost never actually had to access the construction equipment, so they may do with whatever they could get their hands on. This, of course, Mm -hmm. amazingly illegal, but but (laughs) it's prevalent enough, or at least was in the 1900s. 19, I, I'm not sure 1900s, if he means an actual 1900s or like you know, last last year or like the last uh, decade. That's just about every neighborhood had at least a few houses like this. Needless to say, they were absolute hazards during hurricane season. But somehow this never t- deterred them. And now a question. Oh, we have a question.
2: Do you, do you still
0: find it surprising when someone who does something really well claims they have no idea what they're doing? You guys have just been a delight from the day I found the podcast and it always sounds like it just flows so naturally. So it's amazing that you think you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> we still don't. <laughs> so, I yes. have no idea. So, yes, I very doing. much
1: believe it. <laughs> we're living it right now.
0: <laughs> I, I think the difference from the beginning, from when we started till now, is now we know that we don't know what we're doing, we're sh- and we are okay with it. Right? It's like right. It's a confidence with being okay with not knowing what you're
2: doing. I, I think that's mostly. I think when people say that they don't know what they're doing, they don't mean that they don't know anything you know, you do a thing for long enough, you'll learn some tricks. Like I, I've gotten really good at editing in Audacity, uh, even though that was a skill I didn't have. And we found good programs that we record this with, and we sort of have a flow. We know when to talk about things. I think during the week, every now and then something will happen and we'll have a thought of be like, oh, I can talk about this on the Habibis, yeah. right? So you, got, you, you get better at things. And I think, uh, you know, in game development, you see it a lot where really renowned game developers say, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't think they mean they don't know at all what they're doing. It's just that ultimately, these are creative creative jobs, right? Yeah. The, the spot cost is a creative endeavor. The, the game development is a creative endeavor. If you do know what you're doing, you're doing something boring.
1: Yeah. I think, like, you know, ultimately... Right. That um, you don't know what you don't know, right? And I think that uh, right. the, the more experienced people are more comfortable with not knowing. So, like, you right. know, the more senior designers are, the more they realize, like, oh, this new design that I'm trying out, I've never tried this before. So, here's all the techniques and systems I can put in place for me to test out how wrong I can be. And then how I can <laughs> how I can recover from that? But they're a lot more comfortable from that. But I see like you know the more yeah. junior designers, they they come in expecting that um, they're going to nail the best design right from the get go. And like we've all been through it, It's like you know our first game was supposed to be the magnum opus, and in many oh, yeah. game many cases definitely mine it barely worked at all. Um, so. Oh, yeah. uh, it's like, you know, the, you get more comfortable with your shortcomings over time and expect them even. And I think exactly. that's, right. you know, part of like, why do you hear people saying, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know how I'm going to figure out what I'm supposed to right. do.
2: Exactly. I, I know, I know how I'm supposed to not know. Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly, like That's kind of it. Like, you, it's not that it's. Well, I need to cough. Give me a second. Are you okay? <laughs> nice. Yes. Uh, I, I, I spoke so fast that I miss-swallowed oh, and then no. coughed. <laughs> anyway. I
1: clearly know what we're doing on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're just very good at
2: this thing. Um, but the, um, um, the thing is that we don't know what we're doing. It's always true for that given specific moment. Mm-hmm. Right. In a creative field, because, uh, you know, you only know what you're doing when you figure figured the whole thing out, which is usually at the end.
1: Yeah. Until Mine's you like get to the end, you
2: don't know what you're doing. Yeah, until you get to the end, you don't know what you're doing. And then at the end, you can look at it and be like, oh, this was a good decision. This was poorly done. This could yeah. have been reconsidered. This, this was smart. This was bad. This was good. Uh, and they kind of take those learnings and go into the next thing that you don't know. Yep. And I think it's very true for this podcast. Like we're a year in and Osama still can't do an intro, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's good.
0: Scripts are hard, yo. But- <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think that's the title.
1: He, he's, getting, he's getting much better at building all script though. So like, <laughs> he can't really
0: recover now. <laughs> yeah. 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 There are expectations to be met now. so that's the thing I mean we're all designers right and the game design is iterative that's just part of the process is that whenever you're doing if you've designed something that you've made exactly 100% before then you're not really designing you're just repeating but if you're doing something new and every podcast is a new version of a thing right then Mm -hmm. like your design intuition kicks in sometimes where you're like oh I've I've seen this pattern before I felt this flow before I think this is a good direction to take this in based on the experience we've had before but it doesn't necessarily Mean that we know, exi- like, just like what Ami said, we don't know exactly what we're doing for this specific episode, but we start to intuit it. We start to feel it.
2: Right. Okay. Let, let's put it this way if I go into our Discord channel, our private Discord channel, the preparation for this one is you're hosting Osama, we'll go Osama Fauzi Me. Yeah that
0: was that
2: was it that was was the preparation everything else that you're listening to is intuition but i I, I, you know since we we've talked about this for designers i think it's very similar for programmers because i'm historically a programmer Uh, but it's the same thing right you get into programming you know that you don't know programming so you very carefully make like a pac-man yeah or a breakout or a pong or something like that, right? And then eventually when you get a little comfortable, the first thing every programmer does is "This will go, I'm gonna roll my own engine. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know why this keeps <laughs> happening to us, but every programmer you meet went through the same, like almost every programmer you meet went through the same like phase where they just came up with like, oh hey, well, I, c- I can do Pac-Man now, so let's make an engine that can rival Uncharted's engine, okay. <laughs> you know? And then you start That's and you realize that step,
0: right?
2: <laughs> rendering an image is kind of complicated if you're doing it from scratch. And that collision is a nightmare. And then you give up. And you know sometimes you give up after two years. Sometimes you give up after two days. Uh, but, you know, almost everybody gives up eventually. And, and that's part of becoming a good programmer. It's just kind of understanding like, okay, this is what I'm good at. And this is what I enjoy. And uh, some people really end up loving doing that engine programming. And they end up engine programmers. But um, I think it's good to not know. Right? I, th- I think there's a, a real strength in coming at some, my mom always says this, coming at something unhindered by any knowledge. Mm-hmm. Right. I think there's, there's a real beauty in that and I think as designers, we, we tend to search for it. Mm-hmm. We tend to search for something that is new because we know that that's where exciting stuff might happen. Mm-hmm. It's why it's so hard to just remake a thing. It's why it's so hard to um, to just try and do something that already exists, but slightly different, right? Like we will, I think designers are naturally drawn to problems that have to be solved rather than problems that have been solved. Uh, And sometimes that's integration, right? Sometimes that's, okay, we have existing idea A and existing idea B. Let's see if we can make things C out of it. But um, I think the same is true for programmers. I'm sure the same is true for artists, for musicians, for sound designers, for anybody who does a creative job. I know it's true for me on on, on the business side of my job, right? Like I, I search for interesting new things and that's just... That's just kind of how it is if you're creative, I think. Agreed. 110%. Anyway, emails.
0: Emails. We have emails. <laughs> we have one last email. I don't know if there are any other messages on Discord, but there's one I, last email. I have, I have a few Discords
2: Discord. left for okay, you, good. so uh, who goes first?
0: Uh, I'll go first. I'll wrap up the emails, and then you can jump into Discord. Deal?
2: Okay. Sure. Deal.
0: Okay. So we have an email from Raphael. Uh, this is a little bit long, but it's worth it. It's a beautiful one. He says... One of the funniest. Pressure. <laughs> one of the funniest moments I think back to every once in a while is when Fozzy segued into the end of the Doily episode by suggesting that it is time to put a Doily on. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, a lot of. A lot of
1: uh, references to the segues, I see. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we we, we got to emphasize them now. <laughs> With a subdued, but nevertheless, audible amount of pride for the beauty of what he just said, which was beautiful. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Busted. Um, <laughs> He goes on to say, but hands down, a real and proper favorite was Osama's relationship advice. Wow, Dr. Hub comes back again. Dr. Hub again. (laughs) It was framed beautifully. Him announcing that he wants to say something and Rami and Fauzi eager to give him room for it and sit with the audience for a moment. And as difficult to navigate the entire hornet's nest of telling guys how to relationship is, Osama made it seem easy. By saying, this is something I messed up, He's deliberately stepping down from the uh, from the uh, lectern, uh, not presenting uh, as an authority and not inviting the need to oppose him as a matter of pride. By explaining how he didn't mean to cause his wife any stress while he acted out the best intentions, he laid out notoriously difficult topic. Good intentions alone are not the ultimate get out of free jail card that too often touted us. He goes on and on. And why like I am gonna get emotional if I'm gonna finish this. So I'm gonna skip to Ugh. the last part where <laughs> where he, he, he says something the most beautiful part of the email. He says, like a good I like a good steak pun. It was an example of a rare medium. Well done. That was so well done. Thank you.
2: <laughs> wow. <laughs> that wow. was a good that was a good segue. <laughs> that was a good segue. That is that is Habibis worthy as a segue. <laughs>
0: I love it. I have to applaud that. Thank you, Rafael. What a beautiful email.
2: What a beautiful email. It was true. It was good. That was a good that was a good uh little moment. Um Let me run through some Discord, rapid fire. Sahab posts, congratulations on one year old Habibis. Special thank you to Rami, Osama and Fauzi for helping make those hours filled with joy. And also a special thank you to all the Discord Habibis for making this such a welcoming place. Again, thank you to everybody in the Habibis Discord over at discord.habibis.com for being wonderful, like genuinely wonderful. And also wanna do a huge shout out to the mods over there. Um let's see. Zahab wrote uh yeah, the thank you on the Discord. Ailey writes, Alpha to the Habibis. It's been a real pleasure listening to you three every Friday, and a bigger pleasure getting to know everybody in this Discord. Here's to a hundred more years of Habibis.
0: Oh my god, that's a lot. Of that's a lot of more uh, years. Uh,
1: let's try it. <laughs> Um, we'll give it a best shot. How many times do I need to jump over the fire for hundred years? It's a, it's a lot, Fuzzy, but you have really big
2: legs. It's gonna be great. <laughs> only getting bigger. And only getting bigger. Um, uh, Gekitsu writes, uh, couldn't have said it better. Making a really fun and engaging podcast—not exactly trivial—but to have it spawn such a good community, that's the real test. And I would 100% agree.
0: Oh, 100%
2: um i go rights happy birthday to my favorite gaming podcast despite destiny coming up way more than it should destiny in a really good place at the moment just really having fun with that space horse uh but seriously thank you fozy uh, is that you oh, that was just Discord me developer? no 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 that was me that was 100% me um absolutely nice. that was me um, um, yeah, it's exactly, <laughs> always right. Uh, but seriously, thank you, <laughs> Fawzi Rami, Osama, for creating something so special, and I can't wait to see what 2022 has in store for you all. Um, mm-hmm. That uh, there is more. We don't have time to talk about more because 2022 indeed has a lot more to come. We've uh, just started on the year, and uh, it's been a well, what a start. It's been a start to the year, hasn't it? Yeah,
1: <laughs> we'll start there. They usually say that January is a slow uh, news month.
2: <laughs> yes, not. This but, time. Oh boy! Since we're not recording this, this a little late, later than usual, we get to talk about what just happened. The big, thing. the big, the big, <laughs> th- the big thing.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: I was yes. shocked to hear that uh, Microsoft acquired Activision Blizzard. Yes. Yeah.
0: I still can't believe it. It's so hard to wrap my mind around that. I mean, yeah. I, I knew, I knew that they wanted to make one other big purchase. I had a feeling, not that sure, I but, I but had like a,
2: a purchase is not the purchase.
0: I know, <laughs> I know. And Activision Blizzard was not the big purchase that I was expecting. Honestly, I, was, yeah. I thought it would be more along the lines of a, a Ubisoft. I thought Square. Square is
2: also right. Like, is, is Square was kind of like it, it kind of looked yeah. like a you know, like a good place to do an investment, good IP, good range, not too expensive. But this is like this is not fair. Yeah.
1: This is like the biggest acquisition in gaming history. I think. By like five X.
0: Exactly. The
2: only reason it's five X because the previous biggest acquisition in games was a few weeks ago, and that was at twelve point eight billion. This one is at right. seventy so billion.
0: It's yep. almost sixty nine billion <laughs> it's it's i think
1: wow. I, I think like when we when we look at uh, you know when we're looking at it from a gaming industry perspective you know activision Blizzard is a huge company right yeah massive yeah. uh with billions of dollars worth in uh, in the market clearly but then when you you know zoom out a bit and you look at uh, other tech companies who has trillions of dollars of market cap? Then it's an entire different ball game. Like kind of like the, the 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 purchase kind of makes a bit more sense. You go like, oh yeah, they can they can afford that. Oh, they can afford it. <laughs> they, can, they can afford a lot more than that as well. I'm
2: I'm not worried about them affording it. It's just when you look at this, you know, if you look at the um, the global uh, ranking of of like video game company values, right? You've got Microsoft, mm-hmm. which is the only one that's sitting in the trillions, if I'm not mistaken, because obviously it's yes. it's a lot bigger. They've got Tencent at 600 billion. You've got Sony at 150 billion. You've got uh, mm-hmm. Seag Arena at 93, NetEase at 70, and then Activision Blizzard at 63. This is a company in the top ten buying a company in the top ten, right? Yeah,
0: that's why it's remarkable.
2: That's wild because mm. like after that, the list kind of continues: Nintendo, Roblox, EA, Unity, yep. but like you don't expect stuff to happen there like zynga is at like 17 that was that was already like a remarkable thing but then beyond that you don't really see a lot of moves in that space
1: but i think also like um uh, i I know that we we don't always think of it in traditional gaming but if you look at um, google play and app store then that list gets bigger Mm -hmm. right Um, and like uh, you know Google Play for example makes uh, what is it 60 billion dollars of revenue annually the App Store makes 80 billion and like um, the majority of that revenue is games
2: right Game Pass makes 200 billion Mm -hmm. a day
1: <laughs> if we keep mentioning it on the podcast, it will eventually <laughs> When
0: are we gonna get our sponsorship? I don't know, Microsoft didn't buy us <laughs> out. Oh Microsoft
1: buys it. the Habibis. Okay, sorry. This this is
2: this is the funniest segue. I just have to make this. Did 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 you guys see the sponsorship offer email we got without naming the company? <laughs> I, did. I did. I just I, did. I just want to let everybody know in the audience that, that this is probably the first like serious sponsorship like Offer that we've had that yes. way out of nowhere. It was a shaving company, <laughs> which to <laughs> me suggests that they didn't quite figure out <laughs> who they're talking to.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's, it's three ga- it's three Arab game developers, right? So they must have a lot of beard to shave. That's, uh, I'm not sure. It makes sure. a lot
2: of sense to me. I'm not sure. I think our beards stay around pretty significantly. <laughs>
1: It it could be because that episode where you guys were talking about my facial hair. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. And then the next day we said we are the next time we spent like I don't know twenty minutes talking about my beard or something. Right, but
2: it's a good beard. (laughs) You're welcome, Habibis. You're welcome, Habibis. (laughs) But I was like, that is incredible. Of all the companies that could have reached out, it's a shaving company.
1: The, um, Microsoft will reach last out last eventually. Time. They were too busy buying Activision Blizzard, right. but they yeah. will reach out. Yeah.
0: We're uh, nice. <laughs> we're <laughs> nice.
1: <next. laughs>
2: I laugh for a while that we have two. Well, effectively, Fauzi, you have no hair on your head.
0: <laughs> I and a I beard. Osama oh, has <laughs>
2: no hair on his head. And occasionally, yeah. somewhat of a facial hair thing. And then I just have a yeah. beard that hasn't left my face since I was 17.
0: <laughs> I always have a goatee. Yeah, actually. I always have a goatee. I have facial. Yeah.
2: <laughs> anyway, it just made me laugh. This this company's pitch was effectively like, "Yep, clean shave, just clean shave, <laughs> whatever you want, we, you can." Yeah, you know. it was it was a highlight. It was great. Anyway, back gonna, to Activision start Blizzard, you gotta start somewhere. Then,
1: then we'll be featured on the pay, on uh, you know the Game Pass, and then we're set.
2: Yeah, that's it. We just need Game Pass. We'll get one point six billion a day, and then. Uh...
0: Do, you, do you think they could put our podcast on Game Pass? That would be so meta. Just like go to Game Pass, so that VVs talk about Game Pass. Listen, it, I love it. But
2: I'm curious what you all think of this acquisition because that that's actually the part that I'm way more curious about because I'm I have feelings about this. Do you have feelings? Very this mixed this feelings.
0: Very mixed feelings. So number one is, I really don't like the whole, um, like I don't like I don't like the the messaging behind it. I understand it personally that legally they can't really say anything about P- Bobby Kotick and what's going to happen uh, with him. Uh, but initially, the messaging was unclear and made it sound like he was going to stay on, and then later it looked like he was going to be uh, exiting with uh, a golden parachute. And I understand like how these things work in the background but i was really unhappy with how that that was resolved it felt like he was getting a, a like now now it makes sense it makes sense why the shareholders kept him there because they wanted to profit it makes sense why they just ha- had to hold on a little bit more because before i'm like i don't get it what value does he bring to the company that his like that his name his sullied name uh, is going to like justified like keeping yeah. I, what value does he bring and now i see yeah, they're it, just holding out a little bit more so that they could line their pockets and that uh, like
2: sadly makes a lot of way. sense
0: <laughs> it makes sense it absolutely makes sense i get it my brain gets it my heart hates it yeah um and i'm not happy that he's going to get a big payout i mean payout. he was going to get a however, big payout anyway he was he yeah. was but i really that's just not the resolution i was hoping yeah for. That's same it. the however I hope Microsoft is traditionally known as a being a very good employer within the games industry, of course, there's always exceptions your your direct mm. so your your direct manager is always going to have a bigger impact than the rest of the company. but in general, my friends who work for Microsoft companies in general they're really happy they're they're they feel like they're respected they're well treated they have good good systems in play mm. um to, to, so I'm hoping that overall it's going to be a good move for people who are working in terrible conditions. Microsoft is not known to let people go at the end of production like Activision is. Like, hey, record sales, 800 people laid off um, is, is a normal thing at Activision. It's not at Microsoft. They have their own problems. Like, I know that they, they, they give a, it's hard to get a permanent status at Microsoft. There's mm-hmm. a lot of contracts. But I'd rather a contract where you know the end date and you could you know do something about it than just being let go randomly whenever out of nowhere yeah, yeah for sure
2: yeah i don't know so
0: I, I hope that part like that part i hope means mean it's good news right. for people
2: i just i and i tweeted this yesterday but like i'm i'm just so i hate it so much that it seems that one of the reasons this acquisition was possible was that the mar- market value of activision blizzard took enough uh, enough of a dip yeah. that it was o- worth opening that conversation over at Activision Blizzard, right? Um, and I think that is part of how this deal got taken is Activision Blizzard was so bad to its employees that the that the value took a hit and that Microsoft saw an opportunity to to move in. I'm not sure if that's what happened. It's purely speculation, but kind of knowing how this industry works, I think it was definitely part of what happened here. Um, and then the other part is just like, Yo, that's a lot of consolidation of power. Yeah, like yeah. the you know, it's starting to stop looking like competition between Microsoft and Sony at this point because like Microsoft has eternal money. Yeah, it like does it it doesn't end. Like you can't, you know, like if they bought Bethesda, and that was it, okay. But we're we're talking about Microsoft buying Activision Blizzard with such casual. It's almost normal at this point. Microsoft bought an incredibly big thing. Yeah, Sony can't compete with that. I don't know what I don't know what they cannot. They
0: bought a thing that's a third of the size of Sony, and it was nothing to them. Yeah, like that's that's really what it boils down to. Sony could not have made that purchase and cannot make a purchase as big. Just it's not feasible right and competition is good people like right now i I understand that a lot of people are like oh game pass is going to be great yeah i don't doubt that game pass is going to improve no i I, but
2: i I, I do doubt that
0: oh i mean in the short term
2: no in the short term it's going to be a little better but
0: yeah in the long term yeah because there's no competition it has no reason to to stay better yeah right yeah
2: yeah that's what i'm worried about i'm also just worried for for you know indies at large like we have less and less options to to fund games, right? Game Pass has become such a big part of of funding games that for an indie, it's really hard to not use it, to not want to be on it, which means that a lot of games are being shaped along the lines of Game Pass, right? Like, you know, we we need to make sure that this game might be attractive to Microsoft, which kind of returns us back to like the early days of when I was an independent developer in 2010, where really what you were trying to do is convince... A room of four people at valve or a room of like six people at apple that your game was worthwhile and everybody was making those games yeah. like the, the whole point of indie was that as an independent developer you make a game and even if it's for the smallest niche if you can convince that niche to be interested in your game you can make enough money to make the next game but games got more expensive which means we needed external funding and external funding whether you're going through a publisher or not right now is highly dependent on Game Pass and it's going to be more dependent on Game Pass. Publishers fund games and then just turn around to Microsoft and go, well, you want to Game Pass this? And if, the, if Microsoft says no, then the publisher might reconsider whether they take that game at all, right? So the decision makers are getting fewer and fewer and that's, that's re- just really scary to me. It is. Yeah. I think I mean, um
1: like from from my from my point of view um I think that uh the the competition as Microsoft sees it is beyond just the realms of the games mm-hmm. industry. So um uh, I think this is like uh this is a strategic uh, move by them to kind of like first of all it prompts a response from Sony or other mm-hmm. companies in the business but it kind of makes it difficult for other companies outside the business to kind of go in. Yeah. Um And uh, I think, like, you know, Microsoft and a lot of other companies are seeing uh, uh, a different future for the industry than what we see currently. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, there's a lot of strategic steps into kind of uh, taking a foothold into that future. Yeah. Uh, uh, whatever uh, it may be and how it's going to shift is going to depend largely on the technologies we have and how you know the players vote with their wallets and um, and all yeah. of that
2: that is so important right now that yeah. the players vote with their wallet that players vote honestly because there, there there are a lot of futures that are possible ahead of us right but mm-hmm. it's very clear what future a lot of companies are steering towards. And I'm I'm not sure I like that future, but maybe I'm maybe I'm old fashioned after 10 years in this games industry, you know, <laughs> maybe I'm a little um, old fashioned.
1: You know, like change
2: is inevitable,
1: right? And I think it's about um, um, good change uh, um, is part of change. Yeah, regardless, because that's the only kind of change, yeah. you know, we can only move forward. Yeah. Um, so how we readjust as an industry i think it's a very um, interesting thing to to see unfold over the next couple of years yep. um, i think yeah. microsoft has been reputable uh, a lot in like with the developers that they worked with uh, with their id program with how they worked with their partners in development and all of this uh microsoft has been like you know managing the the the, the gaming division in a,
2: in uh, a very positive very way int-
1: very positive way, very interesting way, very consumer facing way as well. Yep. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that, um, evolves, uh, goes forward as well.
2: Yeah. How it evolves as they gain power in the industry, because even though Microsoft is obviously, Microsoft is obviously playing a bigger game, right? Like you said, it's, it's not just about the games industry for them anymore, but, um, I do think that doesn't change the impact it has on the industry. Like uh, Doctor Hub once said, intent is not the only thing <laughs> uh, that matters. Like the outcome matters too. Um, and I do Use think
0: that Joker. I do.
2: I, I do think that when it comes, like
0: Doctor Hub. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think that it is really important that we that we keep focus on the games industry, right? Because that ultimately that is an important part of, of creativity. It's an important part of expression. It's an important part of culture. And yeah, it, you know, it can become monetized. It can become economy. It can become commerce. It is all those things. It, and I'm, I'm happy that it is all those things, but uh, keeping the yeah. balance is going to be a really important thing over the next few years. And I'm, I'm really worried about that, you know, with all the, yeah. you know, and this is not Microsoft, but like with semi-aggressive or aggressive movements into NFT and, and blockchain and, Uh, these new monetization strategies that you're seeing everywhere. And, you know, you can kind of feel the industry adjusts, right? It's very flexible. Like Fauzi was saying earlier, it's very flexible. It's very adaptable. The people in here are creatives. They're problem solvers. They'll work their way around any context that the games industry throws at them. The same way we started making roguelikes and multiplayer games when Twitch became a big thing because they're replayable and people (laughs) can stream them, right? But I don't know what that looks like when... Uh, this whole play to earn thing becomes a thing or, or uh, you know, we, we change our industry to be completely subscription based. Like
1: uh, so Ultimately, it comes down to the players. Right. If the players want it, they create the market for, for it. If the players don't want it, then it doesn't exist. Yeah. It's kind of like if we draw parallels from the movie business, you know, like um, Netflix is very disruptive to, like, how people consume movies. Right. And, like, um if you talk to people that work in the movie business, there's a lot of people for, and there's a lot of people that really hate the Netflix model. Right. Um, and, like, you know, some people believe that movies should be consumed in the cinema, and, like, that's the, the best way, and Netflix is killing the cinema and all of that stuff. Like, there's a lot of opinions about it, but ultimately Netflix exists and is a competitive force yeah. because a lot of people like to view movies that way. Yeah. And the cinema still exists and a lot of, uh, and, uh, a lot of movies get like, still like huge still openings. Physical.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And Blu-ray still exists and all of that is because there's people that still buy them and there's still yeah. people that still go I, to but I think, the cinema.
2: I think, and I, I, I know that that is, that is a comparison that you could make. Right. But the part that worries me is that for us, there's no meaningful difference between play in each of these contexts. Right. Going to the cinema Mm -hmm. is a completely different experience from watching the movie at home. Watching the movie digitally can be a completely different aesthetic choice than owning the the movie on a disc. Right. But whether you are streaming a game or whether you bought a game or however you're playing the game. Right. You're playing it on the same device in the same context in your living room. Right. And Mm
1: -hmm. let's
2: also be honest, like I understand that ultimately this is the responsibility of, uh, well, the responsibility is a big word, but this is something that players have a lot of of say in, right? What they accept, what they do not accept. But I also want to remind you that we are the industry that successfully can convince people to spend hundreds of dollars on a box that might contain a card for their favorite soccer player. (laughs) <laughs> right. We, this is our job. Our job is to create worlds in which people ascribe value and meaning to digital things that inherently have no value or meaning, right? We're smoke and mirrors, but we're smoke and mirrors in a way that players love. That's what we're trying to do. I think that's what a good game des- designer, a good game developer is trying to do is construct a beautiful fake world. Right. One that you want to be part of, one that you can grow in, that you can learn in. But we've also seen in the industry that when money becomes too much of a driver in that, that the games industry can take all of that knowledge of how to manipulate people into believing something is good or manipulate people into believing a character is real or a high score is meaningful, right? That we can use it to manipulate people in very negative ways. Right? To spend yeah. money when they don't have it, to keep playing when they should sleep, to fill their axioms because they, they couldn't pull themselves away from the next competitive streak in the game that they're playing. Like, we have dark patterns, we have uh, a history of, of manipulation. Our industry is very good at that because that's effectively our job, just applied yep. evil. So, as,
1: as a lot of other industries that have design mm-hmm. at the heart of it, but um, what makes uh, this industry and any other industry accountable for these things is that we need to uh, maintain a moral code. Yeah, um, that is um, uh, not in this industry, not in any industry, uh, is measured or t- traced by money. Right. Um, so, um, the moral code and keeping ourselves um, up up to uh, standards standards that we set ourselves right. to ourselves and peers yeah. uh, as professionals in this industry, as it does happen in a lot of other industries too. So I agree with you, Rami. It's uh, it's about monitoring the change, right. but also uh, in, uh, in order for us to uh, constantly maintain the conversation yeah. uh, around uh, the moral, moral best practices to how we work.
2: Ultimately, I think there, there's two parts, right? There, there's two parts to this to this equation. One half is the gamers vote with their wallet. No, no discussion can go over what money is doing, right? It's, it's still an industry that needs money to make games. Um, on the other side, I think what Fauzi said is exactly right. This is a conversation that we as developers need to be having with each other in private, in public uh, to, to help people make those decisions. Right with proper understanding of what the impact is, what the risks are, what the opportunities are, and and so far I've been really hopeful about how the industry reacts to a lot of things. I think we we've, we've gotten smarter about talking about business as an industry mm-hmm. as well, more honest about talking about business as an industry as well. Um, but it is you know consolidation of power, like uh, new these these new more exploitative models, like. I don't know. Like it feels like a lot is happening. I'm I'm feeling a little stretched. You know, I'm feeling a little tired. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh. <laughs> I, I I totally get it. It's a lot going on. Yeah. I think um, it's a lot to keep track of, and you know, like it, um, a lot of added responsibility on us as developers. But um, um, you know, I'm you know me. I'm disgustingly positive. Right. Uh, for me, it is um, everything. Another is thing up. that I. I love about this industry is that it's never a dull moment. Uh, <laughs> so like <laughs> the, uh, the unexpected can happen at any point and like major paradigm shifts could happen whether it's technology, business models, new entrants, um, existing entrants growing bigger. Yeah. There's always something going on and then like flips the whole formula upside down. And then here we go again. Let's try to figure this out. And uh, I I love that. You know, that's why I'm in this business.
2: For sure. I've
0: lived through that many times. Like like I keep telling people, I started working on mobile games before the iPhone and during the iPhone becoming a big thing. And seeing that shift happen over the, the course of just two months where all of a sudden people had, handheld device like everyone had handheld devices that could play games that was massive Mm -hmm. and we don't know what the next thing is going to be we just don't know i mean Uh, i started in the time
2: of flash games (laughs) (laughs) yeah totally
1: like um uh, rami started working on flash games um there was a period in in my career in which like um you know free to play was starting to become a thing and people were like what do you give people games for free what that doesn't make sense (laughs) um You know, there was a period in time in which, like, um, we're going to make games and we got to put them on CDs because we're not doing these cartridges stuff anymore. And people are like, what? Cartridge? Why? cup uh, is the best. You can't yes. break it. <laughs>
0: yes. um, CDs so, are loading. Why would you want to do mm-hmm. that?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So th- things, are, things are bound to continue to change. And uh, like I said, there's one of the things I love about this industry is that it uh, keeps us on our toes. But somehow, like this podcast, in which like you know anybody could go off script at any point, and you gotta stay
0: <laughs> on your toes. <laughs> I love it. Th- that that was an epic segue. I love it. Off script is that it's, the title because- of episode?
1: It's it's because, um, you know, this is a podcast in which we're supposed to talk about video games, but we talk about emails and business acquisitions. So, you know, (laughs) at some point, inshallah, we'll come back to talk about the games we play. But I guess that ship has sailed for this one.
0: (laughs) But for now, for old time's sake, let's put a doily on this episode. (laughs) Put (laughs) Put a a doily on on it. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's it. Thank you all for joining us for another episode this time in 2022, season two of The Habibis. We're super happy to be here and uh, can't wait to see what this year brings, both for the gaming industry and for our uh, podcast. Thank you and salam. 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 That was The Habibis podcast for this week. I'm Osama Dorias, your host for this episode. You can find me on Twitter at Osama Dorias. My fellow Habibis were Rami Ismail, you can find on Twitter at THA underscore Rami, and Fawzi Mesmar, who you can find on Twitter at Fawzi Mesmar. Send us your questions, stories, suggestions via info at thehabibis.com. Intro and outro music was provided by Malik Zubayla, and the logo was provided by Ibrahim Hamdi. The Habibis is a weekly podcast about free game developers drinking good Arab tea, New episodes launching every Friday, inshallah. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting service, or check out thehabibis.com for more information. Thank you for listening, and Asalaamu Alaikum.